I want to talk for a few minutes today and minister a few minutes today on this subject, spiritual pathways in 2023. Spiritual pathways in 2023. There's some pathways that God wants us to walk in. There's some spiritual pathways. And I want to, when I, when I say that, spiritual pathways, I probably in, our, in this day and hour need to qualify that, not for you, but maybe for those that will watch this or watching this now, will watch this live or watch this later as it uploads. But when I talk about spiritual pathways, I want to be clear, I'm not talking about just spirituality in general. I've, I've met many worldly people that say, well, you know, I'm a spiritual person, and they might be neck deep in new age or, or some kind of thing. When I say spiritual pathways, and I won't say this again, but I'll just be clear, I'm talking about following our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about paths of His Word. Paths of righteousness, which the psalmist said that the great shepherd and the good shepherd would lead us in. But I want to read a chapter. It's a small chapter. It's in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And this will be on the screen. 1 John 1 and 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning... Which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it. And we testify to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard and that you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy Complete. This is the message that we have heard from Him and we declare and, and declare to you. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in darkness. We lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Here's another claim. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
is another claim. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word is not in us. My dear children, this is John speaking. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Hallelujah. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I like that the Holy Spirit added this. And not to ours, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Father, bless this time together. We submit to your word. Speak to our hearts. Start with this preacher. Speak to every one of us today. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Spiritual pathways that I believe are God's plan and God's will for our lives in 2023. A lot of exciting things are going to happen in, in, in just a few months. Many exciting things are going to move forward in our lives. Well, on this New Year's Day, 2023, January 1, we have to realign to God's will and God's purpose. Here's what Jesus said about his church and about his house. It's a prophecy. He said, the zeal for my house has consumed me. So speaking of Jesus, you say, how did Jesus feel about the church? How did Jesus feel about his people, his gathering, his people? It consumed him. Our world, our, the people in our world today, our American world, people are so consumed with things. Some people are consumed with money. Some people are consumed with lust. Some people are consumed with themselves. They have a love affair with themselves, which Paul said in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. They just love themselves, love their opinion, love what they do. They love themselves. They but what was Jesus consumed with, with God's will and God's house? There's some spiritual pathways as we follow Jesus this year that I want to bring before you. The first thing I would say to you is, and we want to let the scriptures speak to us out of this little chapter. The first thing I would say to you is this, that we need to pursue a closer walk with the Lord. Now let's look at this, this wonderful little text here. Notice what John says here. John is not talking second person, not talking third person. He certainly uses Plural pronouns here, they're in the text, but but notice here, notice what John's notice the language here. John said, We were, and I'm I'm putting we were with Jesus. He said, We were notice, we were so close to him. We heard him. We even touched him in his in his physical incarnate body. We touched him, we saw him with our eyes. We were there, and we're telling you something that we know. Why? Because we walked with Jesus for those years. He's talking about 
in verse 1 and 1 of this little epistle. He's talking about a close, close, intimate, personal relationship with God. Now, I've met many people in my life. I'm not their judge, but from my vantage point, they were satisfied with living, I would call, distant from the Lord. I think they were saved. I hope they were. I'm not... I don't know, only God knows that for any of us, right? But it seemed to me that they were satisfied to live in the outer court. They were satisfied to live on the fringes of a walk with God. But not John. He, in these verses, is talking about a close, personal walk with the Lord. Who was John? Some think that when he heard the voice of Jesus that said, I want you to follow me as my apostle. I want you to be one of my chosen twelve. That he could have even been in his teen years. Some think that he was the youngest of the apostles. What we do know is some 60, 70 years later, he's still serving God. He was one the Lord chose. He was one that walked Close to the Lord. But I can tell you this. Just because you've been chosen by God doesn't mean you walk close to God. Even among the twelve there was Judas. Who had been chosen. All apparent reading of scripture he preached. He was sent on mission with the twelve. He laid hands on the sick. And people were healed by Judas. We know it was the Lord. But yet he didn't walk close to God. I'm talking about something different. It seems to me that John is always close to Jesus. I've met people like this. They just had this love for Jesus. It says in Matthew, it says in Matthew 4, 21, it says, And going from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets. And Jesus called these two brothers. He called them. And it says, Immediately, they left their boat, and they followed and their father, and they followed him. They said yes to this call of God. In, in John 13, 23, it says this, The one... The one of them, the disciple, whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. The NASB said, he laid his head on Jesus' breast. I mean, you know, they're not sitting at a kitchen table or a dining table like we have. They would sit down you know, and, and, and almost lay over on their side. And so Jesus must have been really close to John. And so John just lays his head over on the chest of Jesus. John always seems to be close to Jesus. Here's Jesus on the cross. He's hanging there. Nails are in his hands. Nails are in his feet. He's been whipped at the whipping post. And many didn't even make it, many that were, were sentenced to death this in, by way of crucifixion never made it to the cross because they died at the whipping post. Because there was so much trauma. And here is Jesus gone through that experience. 
The crown is down upon his brow. He's hanging between heaven and earth. And where's John? John 19 tells us in verse 25. Near the cross. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when he saw his mother there, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, standing by, nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And that was Jesus' way of saying, John, take care of my mother. And for what we understand from Scripture, for the rest of Mary's life, John cared for her. John made sure she was keeping, he would, keep, he would take care of Jesus' earthly mother, Mary. John is always close to Jesus. You know what? The pathway God is calling us to walk is to get closer to Jesus than we've ever been before. May we not be a church and may we not be people that can compartmentalize Jesus out of our life and say, you know, well, hey, Jesus, I heard you call, but I'm going to still work for Zebedee, my father. I'm going to still do the fishing business. No, he, he did what God called him to do. And he followed Jesus all of his life. Let me just say this to you. A close walk with Jesus will never take place by chance. It will never take place just by empty emotion. Because you will feel like following Jesus some days. And other days you won't. You'll have good days and bad days as you'll see with John. But I say to us that following Jesus in this pathway of spiritual life and righteousness. If you're going to follow Jesus, it has to be a choice that you make. It has to be a priority of all the things that are pulling at us and all the entertainment in our world and all the fleshly things that one breath on the other side of eternity are not going to amount. The enemy uses them to consume all the valuable time that you could give toward God. Serving Jesus in this kind of relationship that I'm talking about today is a choice that you're going to make. And John had to make this choice between a fishing business or pursuing the call to be an apostle, to be one of the 12 disciples. The question for us is this. What will we choose in our spiritual pathway in 2023? Will it be business as usual? Would it be, will it be the same half-hearted efforts that we have given in the past? Or will it be that we are going to pursue God with all our hearts, all our minds, all our souls, all our strength in 2023? That we will not be satisfied with half-hearted living or living in the outer court. But we want to live in a close personal relationship with God closer than we've ever been before. And I can promise you God says, come, come, come unto me all that labor and heavy laden. Come. Come boldly to the throne of grace, and there you will find your heart's desire. And you'll never thirst again. You'll be like that lady in John 4. You'll never thirst again. What you've been doing, you thirst again. It runs out. You're dissatisfied. Why are you so empty? Even Christians that don't live in a close personal relationship with God, they seem as empty as the world. They seem as dissatisfied as the world. But I can tell you there's a walk with God. And there's a Jesus that can fill our souls. 
It's a lifelong commitment. You say, why is that? Approximately 70 years later, 70, 70, we find John still serving and even suffering, even suffering for the Lord. Revelation 1.9, look at this. 70 years later, all the apostles are dead but John. I, John. Your brother and companion in the suffering, in the kingdom, in the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the Isle of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I've just read in 1 John where he said, We heard this message. We touched him, we saw him, we heard him, we looked upon him means we, we didn't glance at him. We were, we were looking upon him. We, were, we, were, we have our fixed gaze upon him and we proclaim to you this message. 70 years later, he said, I am suffering and I'm on this penal colony called the Isle of Patmos, 10 miles long, 6 miles wide, that the Romans would banish people to, that they wanted to get rid of, that were a problem from the government here. John says, I'm still here with this same message, with this same devotion. And he, as you read, now I won't go there, but in Revelation chapter 1, Jesus shows up there again. We need to get closer to the Lord this year. I would say to us, don't let anyone or anything or anything that would try to encroach upon the priority of your personal walk and your corporate walk with the Lord. Whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to get rid of, whatever you need to rearrange to get to Jesus, you need to do it and you need to do it now. I would say to us, one of the pathways is we need to pursue a closer, closer walk with God. Here's the second thing I would say to us. It's found in verse 2. The life appeared and we have seen it and we testify to it. And we proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Uh, The second thing I would suggest in this pathway of spiritual life in 2023 is this. We need to share our faith with others. We need to become better witnesses for Jesus. Are you hearing me? We need to share the faith that we have in our wonderful Savior. We need to learn how to share this with others. I would suggest that you learn to share your personal testimony. This is what John is doing here. He is sharing his personal testimony. Brothers and sisters, you have a story. You have a story to tell. Tell what Jesus has done in your life. Tell your story. I mean, this is John's story. We were on the, we were on the seashore in, around Capernaum. We were fishing with dead one day, and this man Jesus comes walking by. And the way he spoke, can you imagine the power and the authority that Jesus 
carries with him that he could just speak to a man. Can you imagine someone sitting at an accountant table or some lawyer at a, at, a, at, a, at a court bar and Jesus just says, follow me. He drops everything and he starts following him. John is telling us his story. You have a story. Tell your family the story. Tell the world your story that Jesus has saved you. You have a story. Tell the story. Tell the story. Share your personal testimony. That's what John's doing here. Look at what he says again. And I testify to it. I want to testify today. Come on. We were testifying during singing today, during worship today. I could hear you saying amen. I could hear you testifying. J.R. testified. Now I'm testifying today. I'm saying we need to share. I'm talking about personal witness. We need to share our personal testimony. We need to share the gospel, listen, in its simplicity. I'm striving, and I really mean this. I'm striving to become, and I, and I am anyway. It's not that I have to strive too far, but uh, I, want, I want to be simple. I want to be simple in this pulpit. I want to be clear with the message of the gospel. Don't complicate the gospel. Don't complicate it. Don't build religious walls that people have to stumble over. The scripture says here, in, uh, it says, we proclaim to you eternal life. That's what John's proclaiming. And he's, not talking, he's talking about a person. And he frames it in kind of cool language. But this gospel has power to change people. Right outside these walls, I mean right here, people are so broken. Their, their lives are messed up. They're, they're, they're being, we live in a spirit of the age of deception right now. Demonic spirits have invaded our culture today. Have even invaded leaders in the highest part of this land that are completely deceived by doctrines of demons. But I can tell you this gospel can penetrate. This gospel is light. This gospel still saves today. This gospel can break the powers of sin. It can break the powers of darkness, but we have to tell the story. We have to learn to share the gospel more. What should the gospel, what should the gospel include, Pastor? And I'm not saying it has to include all of this every single time, but it kind of yes, but I'm, I'm not saying you have to be like, like a machine, like, oh, well, I've got to look at my card. Let this, let this flow naturally. Amen. Let's be natural. And not, oh, hold on a second. Let me witness to you. Let me get, well, let me see what my pastor said. The first thing pastor said, hold on a second. No, just talk to people. Just tell, talk to people. But, but our gospel witness has to include in some level our sinfulness apart from Christ. This is why we need a Savior. Matthew 1 21. His name should be called Jesus, and He will save His people from their sin, our sinfulness, apart from Christ. We need to make clear that no one is righteous on their own. We don't contain, we don't possess righteousness on our own. We need to explain the death of Christ that He hung on the cross, He came to this earth. Because of our sins. He took the punishment in His love for our sins. This has to be made clear. 
What's missing in our modern day presentation of the gospel is the call not to, not to only have faith in Christ, but the call, the gospel call, the demand to repent of our sins. Any gospel message that presents forgiveness without the call and the demand of repentance is a cheap gospel. It's a gospel that doesn't say anything. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't transform anything. It doesn't unite us to God. But the genuine gospel will unite us to God. Remember this. The great confession is Jesus Christ is Lord. Used over 400 times in the New Testament. He is the Lord. And and listen, when you were in that first century... In that pluralistic culture, which we're, we're there now. Amen. We're in a pluralistic culture right now as well. But those first Christians in that first century, when they proclaimed publicly, Jesus Christ is Lord. It, they weren't in a Christianized culture. You know, we're still in kind of a Christianized culture. There's enough vestige and and enough residue of Christianity in our culture that you can kind of do it without too much persecution. I can tell you this. they they, They would lose their families many times. They would lose everything. Read Hebrews. It said they were spoiled. They their goods were spoiled. They were ostracized from life. And we want, we want to say Jesus is Lord and kind of do it from a from a safe place. We want to do it from the from the uh from the back instead of the front lines of the war. But it's time that we stand up and we count for Christ. And say Jesus is Lord. We need to make clear in our gospel witness that, that righteousness is a gift to those who place their faith in Christ. And I would say this quickly. We need to pray for opportunities to fearlessly share our faith. There's always that fear that we all have. We all have it. You say, well, no, some people are just bold by nature. Listen, I can tell you, everyone deals with fear of sharing their faith at some level. How do I know that? Because the greatest Christian to ever live prayed that he would not be afraid to share Christ. You know who that is? That's Paul the Apostle. Paul that founded churches all over the Roman Empire. Paul that was arrested. Paul that God gave him 13, 14 books of the New Testament. The greatest Christian to ever live, in my opinion. And listen to what he says about this. In Ephesians 6, 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, and be alert, always, keeping, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak... Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Let's pray that we would fearlessly share the good news of Jesus. Now, here's the third thing I want to say. As we walk these spiritual pathways, following Jesus, following his word, following the Holy Spirit, we must deepen our knowledge of the word of God. Now, I'm going to come back later. I'll talk about this in the weeks ahead as we go. I do from time to time. We need to deep. Notice what he said. Verse 3 he said, we, we, we've, said, we've heard. Verse 5 said, uh, uh, this is the message. So this message that he heard is the word of God. It's the scriptures. It's the B-I-B-L-E. The scriptures are to be in the center of church life. Why, is, why does this pulpit sit here? Why don't we set it in the back? Why don't we set it over there? Why is it front and center? 
I'm, I'm interchangeable. Understand this. I'm interchangeable. Okay? There'll be a day that, that, you know, I'll go be with Jesus and you'll get another one of me. A preacher. What is a non-negotiable is this right here. The Word of God is to be in the center of our church life. But it's also to be in the center of our personal lives. In this book right here, God has revealed Himself. The one true God. There's only one God and Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And and 1 John 5.20 says this, And we know also that the Son of God has come, and He has given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true. We are in Him who is true, By being in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. I'm going to pass quickly because I want to get to the end of this. But I want to tell you that we need to get in the Word of God. We need to read the Word of God. We need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. If we would follow the Word of God, this nation would be much better off today. If we followed the the moral commands of God, marriages would stay together. There'd be respect for authority. You, you could leave your mower out without getting it heisted and, and stolen. You wouldn't have to worry about immorality if we followed the commands of God. I want to encourage you in, in, in saying this. You need, you need to get serious about your Bible. You need to get very serious about the word of the Lord. You need to see this as God's sacred gift to us. It is the word of God. We need to, listen, we need to deepen our knowledge in the word of God. There's, listen, there's no shortcuts. It's W-O-R-K. It's hard. And I see people immersed in secular activity. And you know what they do? They give, them, they give wholeheartedly to it. I mean, they'll get up 4 o'clock in the morning, go work out and this and that. You can tell I ain't been doing that. But I've been working out in this. It's time to quit making excuses. Now, I'll say this in a broad, general sense, but I dare to say there's someone here that you've been a Christian a long time, you've never read the Bible cover to cover. I would say that is a spiritual tragedy. Do you know there are stories of whole churches in persecuted parts of the world All they had was one page. The whole church. There was one man I read that that had one page of the Bible for like 20 years. And yet you can drive down the street to a place, a bookstore. You can get translations and Bible. I'm telling you, we need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We need to read the Word of God. We need to stop this old nonsense about, well, it's too hard. It's not too hard. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. It will transform your life. It will transform your home. It will transform you if you will immerse yourself in the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God every day. Every day. Every day. It's your daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. I would say, depending on where you are, you need to be realistic, of course. If you've never read the Bible through once, don't think you're going to do it three times this year because you're going to get excited. I'm walking these spiritual pathways, and January is going to be, oh, man, this is awesome. February, you're going to crash and burn, and you'll pick it up again about April. You'll drop it in March, drop it in May, pick it up again in September. You know how it is. 
be realistic. But I can, I can confidently say to everyone in this room, there is no excuse for any Christian not reading the entire Bible in a year. You literally can read three chapters a day. Three chapters. Three chapters. Three chapters. And you can read through the entire Bible in one year. It will transform your life. I'm grateful to God, and I say this, I say this in humility. God gave me a love for his word from the moment I became a Christian. I'm certainly not saying I've always read it as much as I have at other times, but I will consume large volumes of the Word of God. You know, years years ago, they'd have those little bread boxes. Remember those little things, and you'd flip them open, they have like a little scripture on them, and they'd like, oh, I got my scripture today. He said, what do you do with that? I would just put that back in there and get your Bible out. This morning, I've already read 10 or 12 Psalms. I read Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I've already read uh, Matthew chapter 1. I've read just chapter after chapter. It will change your mind. It will change your emotions. It, uh, it's like strength will come into you if you'll read the Word of God. It, I, I can promise you, if you'll immerse yourself in the Word of God and drive out all that old stuff that's up there, all that carnal thinking, I, uh, I, it's possibility that depression you have will just co- completely break off of you. That sadness and negativity will just break off of you because this Word will drive it out. The Word will set you free. We need to immerse ourselves in the word of the Lord. Now, now, here's another thing. If we're going to walk the spiritual pathways with the Lord this year, here's, here's the third thing, or fourth thing I would say, is that we must seek deeper spiritual cleansing in our lives. Notice he says in verse 7, if we walk in the light, it's he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim we haven't, we, we, without sin, we deceive ourselves. His truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sin, and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now I want to just leave this with you. The sins that you have tolerated in your life, you need to conquer them this year. There are things and sins that Christian people dabble with, tolerate in their life, and the Holy Spirit is saying, it is time for you to deal with that this year. It is time for you to radically deal with sin in your life that you have tolerated. Jesus said, you need to deal with sin. You say, did he really say that? Let me, let me read you something of how radical that we need to deal with sin and to, and to have deeper spiritual cleansing in our life. Listen to the very words of Jesus about how we are to deal with sin. Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. If your hand causes you to to stumble, cut it off. He's using hyperbole here of how aggressively we need to deal with sin. 
He says, and throw it away. It would be better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and to be thrown into eternal hell. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It would be, it'd be better for you to enter life without an eye, one eye, than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. Jesus is talking about how aggressively we need to deal with sin and become clean before God. Paul said the same thing to Christians. This message was, this is not to the world. This is to the church at Rome. Look at this, Romans 6 verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its evil desire. Don't let it stay there. Don't let it reign there. Deal with it. Verse 14, sin shall, not, shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. He's saying this, you have power now. You have grace from the Holy Spirit that you can conquer sin. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, do not be unequally or be not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the, the temple of God and idols? And then he says to the people of God, For we are the temple of the living God. The church, we are the temple of God. God said, I will live with them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises that God will be our father, that he will be among us in his holy presence, these amazing promises that we can live as we walk with God in this close personal relationship because we have this, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. We need to deal with secret sins that we've allowed to stay there. And Jesus says, we have to deal with them. Paul says, we have to deal with them. What's the big deal with sin, Pastor? Why do we have to deal with it so radically? And the answer is because of its terrible, awful, consequences sin will destroy your relationship with God destroyed Israel's relationship with God and God had brought them out of Egypt sin will damn a soul to eternal hell sin will influence others to go along with you to eternal hell sin will damage the witness our witness for Christ before a watching world but I would say above all that, all, even those are so important, we need to deal with sin because it's why Jesus went to the cross and to continue to sin is an insult to Jesus. And it's an insult to the Holy Spirit of God. I'll close with these words. Hebrews 10, 26. If we sin deliberately... If we deliberately keep on sinning, 
after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejects the, rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more? How much more? Severely, do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctifies them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, and I will, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I would say to every one of us as I conclude this time, If we're going to follow our Lord in the pathways of spiritual life in 2023, my prayer is that we would seek to live closer to Jesus than we have ever been before. That we would learn to share our faith with others. That we would deepen our knowledge of the Word of God and that we would Allow God to work a deeper spirit of cleansing that we would be what He wants us to be. Hallelujah. Can we come? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we worship your great and awesome name. We worship your great name. Oh, God, search our hearts today. Father, wash us in your divine presence. In your precious blood, sprinkle the blood of Christ upon us. I thought, as I, as I mentioned, I just, it just hit me right before service of that little illustration about how sometimes, for whatever reason, our computers... Just get where they're not working, they're sluggish. They lock up sometimes. And then if you just restart, it just seems like all the systems come back together. Everything aligns properly. That's how our lives are. Our lives, if, we, if we're not careful, if we're not walking close to the Lord, our lives can get sluggish. Even Hebrews talks about being spiritually sluggish. Our lives don't function. We don't have that peace. We don't have that joy. We don't have that love. You can always tell, church. You can always tell because you pick up your Bible and it's just, there's no joy. There's no, there's no, oh, I'm so glad I'm in your presence. I'm so glad to find this quiet place that I can just let your word speak to my heart. It's just rote. It's just rote. 
You've lost the joy of your salvation. We need to restart. We need to reboot. And we, re, re, we reboot at Calvary. We always reboot at Calvary. If we confess our sins, our God is faithful. And He's just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We serve a merciful God. And right now, as we conclude this time, I want us to take a moment here and just recalibrate our lives toward the Lord. Right there where you are, I want you to pray. I don't want to pray for you. I want you to pray. You reach out to God. You know where your heart is. You know the things that you need to get right. You know where the cleansing needs to take place. You know if you're living close to God or not. And many of you are, but some of you are not. Right there where you are, let the Lord do His work. Let the Lord cleanse you. If there's something you're, if there's something the Spirit of God is dealing with you, repent of that. Ask God to forgive you. Turn away from it. And ask God to cleanse you with His blood.